Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field not long after the plane landed from Kansas City, West Sunday night football, Arrowhead Stadium. The Packers get win number seven. They are 7-1. 31-24 is the final score. I don't know where you want to start with this one because there is plenty to dissect and talk about here, but I think we have to start with number 33, Aaron Jones. What a performance. I think you have to, right? And here's what was amazing about this performance from Aaron Jones. We talked all offseason. How is Matt LaFleur going to use all these running backs? How is he going to you know, get them involved in the passing game out of the backfield? Aaron Jones was practically a receiver in this game with how much they flanked him out wide. And, and that was a decoy that the Packers have used in the past, but very rarely would the ball be the, you know, would that receiver be, that running back be the first or second read for Aaron Rodgers. These plays were designed for Aaron Jones, and he made Kansas City pay. I really thought it was funny. You know, early on he has that 60-yard touchdown that ends up getting brought back 10 yards because he, they ruled that he stepped out of bounds, even though, you know, there really wasn't anybody by him. He kind of outsprinted everybody, but his toe just touches the the white chalk. Yeah. He went back to the sideline and he told Aaron Rodgers, "I owe you another one." <laughs> and then, lo and behold, here we are. Uh, that uh, a fiery, explosive. Uh, third quarter from Green Bay to pull themselves back into this and then they come out in the fourth quarter and they carry that momentum he gets the 67 yard touchdown seven catches a career high 159 yards of of receiving 226 yards of total offense both he and Jamal Williams were responsible for all four Packers touchdowns can't say enough about the performance of those two running backs yeah and Aaron Jones now with 11 total touchdowns on the season at the midway point um, a note to watch here, the Packers' single-season record is 20 touchdowns, really? Amon Green in 2003. So Aaron Jones on pace, when you look at the math, halfway That's to incredible. potentially getting that record. He has eight rushing touchdowns, now three receiving touchdowns, and as you said, could have had another one last night if not for the foot just barely hitting the sideline there that uh, the replay review caught. But I tell you, Wes, the explosiveness of this young man is it's really amazing and yes he got some great blocks and everything else but um but boy he's he's just an electric player on the field we talked all week last week about Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman and these guys that the Kansas City Chiefs have and they certainly lived up to their billing as well even with backup quarterback Matt Moore who put on a very right. solid performance and the Chiefs gave the Packers absolutely everything they could handle in this game but Aaron Jones takes a backseat to no one in the NFL right now. He is he is dynamic. He is on the field every down. He is a, he is a three down back. Whether you need him to protect Aaron Rodgers, whether you need him to run the ball from the two yard line with five minutes to go, whether you want to flank him out and get him in a matchup to uh, against a linebacker to see if you can get an explosive play, he's just doing everything for this offense right now. At a time over the last month when the Packers have absolutely needed it with Devontae Adams missing his fourth straight game, and lo and behold, the Packers are 4-0 and without their Pro Bowl wide receiver. Well, one of the things I thought was really interesting, that you know, a little small factoid I dug up, the fact that Jones and Williams in these four games together, and mind you, Jamal Williams 
didn't play in one of those. Uh, they've combined for 754 total yards, 11 touchdowns. The first four to start the season, 412 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, both of those guys have, you know, taken their game to another level. But here's the thing, Mike. We talked about it from the very beginning. When they didn't have Devontae Adams and they're working through some of these things offensively that they needed to get through, who are your next biggest playmakers? You can make an argument that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are those next guys. And when the, the moment is called for it, both of them have you know kind of risen to the occasion. But at the end of the day, the thing we're starting to learn you know, halfway through this regular season now, Aaron Jones isn't just a really good running back. He's becoming one of the more explosive players in this entire league yep. when you get him the ball in open space. And I thought you brought up a good point a moment ago when you talk about Hardman, when you talk about Hill, when you talk about Watkins and how dangerous they can be in the open field. Aaron Jones was the counter to that. Yep. And you saw when, you know, if you get him out in space and there's no tacklers around him, his explosiveness and his top-end speed, I don't know, to be honest with you, and I think it was Vic Fangio that said this a month ago, how this guy ever went in the fifth round is just beyond me. <laughs> uh, he's just he's such a dynamic football player. And, you know, for the first time in his career, he's winning. He didn't win a lot at UTEP. He no. didn't win a lot his first two years in Green Bay. But here the Packers are at 7-1, and one, and they got a player like this who, mind you, gutted through a shoulder injury that momentarily took him out of the game. He came back, didn't look any worse for wear. And I'm sure you're going to talk about this too, but when the Packers needed to run the ball too – in the four-minute offense late to kill the last 504 off the clock, he did that as well. He got them two first downs, 29 rushing yards, and allowed the Packers to kneel out the ball after an eight-yard out route on third and five. The confidence that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers showed in that young man, it's just incredible what he's put together here the last month. Yeah, well, and then you look at the rest of what was going on on offense. Obviously, 226 yards from scrimmage from Aaron Jones and a couple of touchdowns. You mentioned Jamal Williams. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, Puts up 120 plus passer rating, three another 300 yard game, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Yes, he got sacked a handful of times. The Chiefs definitely gave uh, the Packers some issues with their pressure packages. But again, Aaron Rodgers executes a game plan, doesn't really ever put the ball in danger of being turned over. Um, all of these things that you come to just expect from Aaron Rodgers, and obviously you don't want to take it for granted, but. Um, but boy, that touchdown pass to Jamal Williams, I don't know. I don't know what you thought. We're sitting next to each other in the press box. I yeah. don't know what you thought at the moment. I didn't even see Jamal Williams in the back of the end zone. I'm, my eyes are on Rodgers and on Jimmy Graham. And as soon as the ball left Rodgers' hand, I'm like, oh, he, he just he threw it over his head on purpose. It's going out of bounds. They're going to kick the field goal and, and take a three-point lead. And Jamal Williams is streaking across the back of the end zone and makes a diving catch by the by the back pylon. And sure enough, you ask Aaron Rodgers after the game. Yeah, he saw him. Yeah, he, of course he, he did. He did. He did see him. Like I, I, I'm just I'm I'm blown away by the, the stuff we are seeing on a weekly basis from this Packers offense. And that touchdown pass. I don't know how to rank him anymore, Wes. But that touchdown pass is is one that's somewhere on a list for me I, I still for this as far as this season is concerned that touchdown he had where he threw it into Aaron Jones through like triple coverage in the end zone a couple weeks ago that's still the that's the top one <laughs> in terms of just the overall skill level and the narrow window he had some room to work with because he was near the sideline but let's be honest Mike the Packers needed to make plays in that second half and Aaron Rodgers did just that yeah uh to to find a way on that particular play you gotta remember they're sitting there I believe it was third and one at that point 
I think you and I were both anticipating, okay, is this where you run it and then see if you get the first down if you don't go for it? Well, then they end up coming out an empty set, which if you go by the, you know, the statistics on the night, I don't know how it all ended up shuffling out, but that ended up being one of their better packages when they were able to take the inside linebacker out of the equation and make sure that they had to make a decision with how they were defending the running back. Out well, wide. and that one was with all of your run offensive personnel right. on the field. So from a personnel standpoint, you're thinking the Packers are going to run the ball, right. but then they spread it out and go empty, and then it's like, okay, well, what's coming now? I mean, exactly. it was it. I was I was stunned by what was going on, and then even more stunned by the uh, the touchdown catch that ended the ended the drive. It was a big shift, and it was funny listening to you know Jimmy Graham tell it. And, you know, he's thinking he's boxing out the safety or the cornerback there. He thought the ball was going to come for him, and the way Rogers described it in his post game news conference was that he wanted to put it in an area that if Jimmy could go up and get it, it's there. But if it isn't, he saw that body, whoever it was, and it turned out <laughs> being Jamal Williams, in the back, that, that white jersey that could potentially help him out as well. And for Williams to show the urgency, to, and as you pointed out when we were discussing this earlier, Kansas City did everything right. The cornerback switched. Jones is covered. Graham is relatively covered as much as you can cover a six foot seven guy that's right. boxing you out. Right. But for Jones to stay with the play, curl to the back of the end zone, try to find a way to, you know, find some open space and then make that catch along the sideline was absolutely critical for the Packers to capitalize there and keep the momentum in their favor. And Jones, I mean, Williams, I mean, people aren't going to talk a lot about him because there's all the stats that Aaron Jones put up in this game. But Jamal Williams, for what he was asked to do in this contest, including the one-yard touchdown run early on behind Danny Vitale, he was also a very critical part of what the Packers were able to do in Kansas City. Yeah, well, you used the word momentum, and I want to get back to that thought in a second. But I don't want to forget about this either. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right, Wes, you said it, momentum. It was a game of momentum shift, certainly, really from the beginning of the game all the way to the end. The Packers jump out 14-0 in the first quarter. The Chiefs come back with an explosive second quarter. They score 17 points. The Packers, fortunately, hold them to a field goal on that final drive before halftime. So the Packers are down 17-14 at the half. Green Bay puts together a long third quarter drive that takes more than eight and a half minutes off the clock, but Packers have to settle for a field goal. Aaron Rodgers talked about his helmet communicator going out, which partly led to the delay of game and the goal to go, and then also the timeout they had to use right. before the third down play. But anyway, so the Packers get the field goal that ties it, and then first play of the Chiefs' next drive Tyler Lancaster, the undrafted second-year defensive lineman from Northwestern, makes the biggest play by far of his young career. He strips Shady McCoy and gets the fumble recovery at the 27-yard line, sets up the Packers for the go-ahead touchdown, which turned out to be then that f fabulous TD catch by Williams. Yeah, and it was really interesting talking to some of the guys in the locker room. Lancaster was certainly very humble and excited that he was able to make the play. As he said, you know, the way he was describing it, you know, when he's basically filling the A gap and when McCoy makes the decision to cut into the B gap, Lancaster has one play at that point, and it's basically to stick his arm out there and see if he could find the football, which he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, much to his surprise, the ball ended up bouncing directly, you know, into his gut, basically. And yeah. While he's laying on the ground, while all he's of a sudden, the there, there it is. Yeah. So he gets his a fumble recovery. He said it kind of reminded him of a play at Northwestern, very similar, 
where he's doing his job inside. He punches the ball out, ends up getting brought back for a touchdown. Uh, but again, one of those just I know you call them kind of happy ab- accidents, right? That right. was the uh, you know the old phrase, and and for him to come up in that moment, I was asking Preston Smith about this afterwards. You know, you can make all you want about Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. Jair Alexander, Adrian Amos, I mean, all the name-type players on this defense. If you want to be a team that can win in the postseason, you need to have the Tyler Lancasters of the world making a play here and there at a critical point in the game. Sidarius even mentioned, you know, when he went back to the sideline, Packers, they got punched in the mouth in the second quarter. Yeah, It did not go the way they wanted to. They came out great. I think the first seven plays or six plays, Kansas City only mounted seven yards of total offense, but they started to find those weapons underneath in the second quarter, and those weapons made guys miss. They were able to put up a ton of yards. And Zadarius said, you know, this was kind of the thought in the locker room is that this is our time. We have to prove that we can, you know, not break in this moment. We can come back together. I thought a really underrated play was the fact that Jair Alexander finally stuffing Watkins for a two-yard loss on what that little receiver screen they kept burning the Packers for in the second quarter. Yeah, one of those funky X and O scheme things, and, and Alexander was very quick to react to it. And I thought that, I agree with you, I thought that was another play that showed the Packers' defense, which had its issues and there were missed tackles, and, and you know you knew these playmakers for the Chiefs were going to be able to do some things. But I thought that was a play where the Packers' defense kind of started to stand tall and yeah. get a little bit of that mojo back again. Yeah, and I mean, for Alexander, just shot out of a cannon to make that play, and then that's what sets up Zadarius Smith then getting the third down sack. And as cool as that was for Green Bay to get a stop out of the break right after Kansas City had scored at the end of the first half, it was even more important to finally get a takeaway. There was one turnover in this game. It came by Tyler Lancaster when he went back to the sideline. The story I was trying to mention is that Zadarius Smith went up to him, basically thanked him, and said, you know, kind of saved our bacon on that play to be able to, you know, get a turnover, get the offense, the ball, the back at the 27-yard line. They go in and they score from there. And then that really was the momentum shift they needed. Tremont Williams said it too in that locker room afterwards. That was the play of the game, and to have a guy like Tyler Lancaster, who in this particular game plan, it wasn't a Tyler Lancaster game. Packers used a lot of hybrid defenses, including their base package, to account for the speed of Kansas City, but when Lancaster had to be in there and make a play, he certainly did that. Yeah, well, if there's another play on the defensive side that stands out, aside from Zadarius Smith's two sacks, Packers didn't really get, I don't think, the pressure on Matt Moore consistently that they were hoping for, especially with the Chiefs being down a couple of starting offensive linemen. Darius Smith did get the two sacks. But the other defensive play that stands out is in the fourth quarter, as we talk about the momentum shift. So the Packers go up by a touchdown after the turnover. The Chiefs come back and score a touchdown. Packers thought they had him stopped, but Tremont Williams gets the flag for the hands to the face on third yeah. down. So they get a, an extra first and goal, and then they score. So it's tied up. Then Aaron Jones gets the 67-yard touchdown off the screen pass, so the Packers are back ahead, and the Chiefs are coming back. Third down, who does Matt Moore want to go to? Of course, it's Travis Kelsey, his reliable and very dynamic tight end. And your guy, Wes, Chandon Sullivan, I give you credit, man. I'll I'll say it again. You said it last time. I'll say it again. You had your eye on this guy from very early in training camp, and – I'll admit, I had my doubts because what I saw in camp and in the preseason was a guy who may, who was flagged for just as many penalties as for the sure. plays he was making. 
So that left me wondering, okay, this guy's on the bubble. I'm not really sure. You were pretty confident that he was going to make the team. And what we've seen when he's been thrown into these situations in the regular season is he's not committing the penalties we were seeing in the preseason. He's making the plays, and he breaks up that third down pass over the middle to Travis Kelsey, and that turns out to be the Kansas City Chiefs' last offensive play of the game play of this game. Really, really solid play by Sullivan at a big moment. Yeah, and Sullivan was all smiles in the locker room afterwards. I mean you gotta deservedly remember, so understand where this young man came from. He he's not an undrafted rookie. I mean he is an undrafted free agent, but he was with Philadelphia last year. He started a game for the Eagles and kind of got tossed aside in May and, and he ends up on the, the street free agent scrap heap. The Packers pick him up, and at a really deep position, he ends up mounting a run. What's impressive, though, the most about Sullivan is that he's done this at two different positions. He's playing both cornerback and safety, and almost indiscriminately. I mean, they they use him either spot, and doesn't really seem like Mike Pettin has any trepidation about deploying him at either spot. In this particular game, a lot of safety, because Adrian Amos was moving up into the box in that nitro-nickel package, allowing them to you know have some flexibility up front. Sullivan has a great skill set. He was a big ball hawk at Georgia State, which is a, a, still a young program. Didn't get a lot of national recognition there, but he stayed home. Came from an area where there's a lot of talent, big hotbed in that Atlanta metro section uh, of Georgia, and sort of got overlooked. But if you look at his speed, if you look at his coverage ability, I think there's a lot of talent in this young man. And it was also funny too, Mike. He ends up being the kickoff returner for the Packers in this game. That's right. He had eight kickoff returns at Georgia State. He hasn't returned a kickoff since 2015, his sophomore year. And suddenly, you know, Sean Menninga goes up to him this week and says, "I'd like to use you in this way." And he said, "All right, I'm up for the opportunity." Why not, right? This is, as you said, with Lancaster. I mean, these are the type of performances you can have. Your Zadarius Smith is. Your Smiths and your Preston Smiths, they're critical. That's how you win a Super Bowl. No question, you need those guys out there. But it's the 111 thing. I know some people think that can be a cliche, but it's absolutely true. You need the Lancasters and the Sullivans to pick you up, and in this particular game they did, and they made you know, arguably 1A, 1B for the biggest plays in this contest to put away a very dangerous Kansas City team. Yeah, and that breakup, that pass breakup by Sullivan on third down leads to the Chiefs punting. They pin the Packers back on the two-yard line from the two, 5.04 on the clock. I thought the first play, running Aaron Jones right up the gut, and he powers his way for six yards, gets the Packers out to the eight-yard line. I thought that really set the tone because that was that was a moment. The Packers did not run the ball as well as I thought they were going to in this game based on Kansas City's defensive run statistics coming in. The Packers had not reached 100 yards rushing as a team in this game, you know, heading into that final drive. They end up running seven consecutive running plays, six of those from Aaron Jones, one from Jamal Williams. And uh, boy, that was some... I don't know what the right phrase is. Big boy football is kind of what some people call it. That was a big-time gut-check moment. You're on your own two-yard line. You're trying to protect a seven-point lead. You're in a loud stadium, you know, road environment, not a place you're familiar with playing in, all of that. And you're starting right tackles out of the game. Brian Balaga has gone to the locker room with a hand injury, so Alex Light is filling in at right tackle. Even Evan Bayless as the third tight end is coming in to block on some snaps there. And the Packers got it done. 
three first downs, the third one coming right after the two-minute warning on the only pass of the drive, the little quick out to Aaron Jones for uh, the kill shot, I guess you could say, because that was the one that put the game away. But what a drive. I mean, from your own two-yard line, five minutes and four seconds. The Chiefs, I said this in Insider Inbox, the Chiefs had to be liking their chances. Yeah. You pin the Packers on the two, there's five minutes on the clock. Andy Reid is thinking, we're get, we're going to get the ball back here. Like we're, Matt Moore is going to get one more shot at this. And uh, Packers didn't give him that one more shot. 504 with all your timeouts, that's a favorable situation for any team that's looking to you know mount a late comeback. The, the thing, there's a couple things that stood out to me in this. One, by far, this is the Packers' best four-minute offense that they've had since 2013. Yeah. Um, even in 14, when Eddie Lacy was running the way he was, they didn't close out games the way they're doing it this year. They did it in 13. It's one of the reasons why they ended up making the playoffs. But it's exceptional what they've been able to do in this first half of the season when you have to have those yards, when they know that you're going to run the football, and you get them anyway. The one thing I disagree with you on is that first play. You use the word power uh, for Aaron Jones, and that is a good way to use it. But the thing I even look at, too, is it was a finesse-type run. It's hmm. incredible to me if you go back and watch that. Okay. He made a little sliver in the offensive line look like a gaping hole with how he's able to slice through there. You are absolutely right about the power. That's what it was, though. Every single time between the tackles, pound, pound, pound. Offensive line did a great job, especially, as you mentioned, with having Alex Light in there, having to work through some things. David Bakhtiari left momentarily early on. Light was playing left tackle for two plays. Right. He returned to the game. But Aaron Jones, it is incredible to me. For as much as people thought he was a scat back or you know, kind of a an outside stretch type runner, man, he can run between the tackles. Yeah, he and, can. And it doesn't matter how big the hole. If, if the hole's large, if the play is well blocked, he's taking it from you know an explosive play. Yeah. But even if there's just a sliver there, the guy is so quick and versatile, and and with his size, he really makes you pay. In Kansas City, despite loading up the box, despite knowing what was coming, they couldn't do it. And then you wrote about it too. But Matt LaFleur, the guts that he showed in his quarterback, in his running back, in his offense, after the two-minute warning, yep. Kansas City doesn't have any timeouts left, but there is 158 or whatever on the clock. You run it, and you know, maybe you take it, you get 40 seconds off, and you see what you, you leave Matt Moore with. They didn't do that. They went and passed the ball, and Aaron Jones made a phenomenal play catch to end that ball game. Yeah, well, we've seen... We've seen this evolution, Wes, over the last, I don't know maybe what the time frame is, seven to eight years, maybe ten years in the NFL. That situation, two minutes to go, the other team's out of timeouts, you're third and five in your own territory. I say 10, 15 years ago, 90% of NFL coaches would run the ball, try to get the first down, not saying you're just giving up, but you run it and try to get the five yards. If you don't, you run the clock down under 120, you punt the ball back to them, they have a little over a minute left with no timeouts, and they need a touchdown to tie yeah. the game or go for the win if they want to go for two. This day and age, if you've got the ball in your quarterback's hands, you're going, you're going for the win on offense. You're doing whatever it takes to not have to put your defense right. back out on the field. That's the decision Matt LaFleur made. The Packers executed it, and, uh, and they – they drain that last 504 after the first down. Even with Aaron Jones going out of bounds, it was sub two minute warning. 
Chiefs are out of timeouts, kneel down three times, those last two minutes off the clock are gone, and the Packers are 7-1. and one. And one thing I love about the NFL in 2019, too, is that you can throw to your running backs ten times. You get all the production that the Packers got out of both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and there's no longer a negative stigma or cachet to that. It's a respect factor because, you know, you can go back about 12 years, Mike. I remember people people just ran Trent Edwards out of the league because I was checked down Charlie and, you know, oh, you're always going to the running backs. <laughs> I honestly think it's sort of – I mean, Sean McVay deserves a lot of credit for this. Certainly you look at, at what Kyle Shanahan's doing and now Matt LaFleur. No doubt. But I go back to kind of what Bill Belichick was doing about 10 years ago when it's like, you know what, if the running back is the best option – and the tight ends are covered and the receivers are covered. Get him the ball. Get him the football. Yeah. No team yep. over the last 10, 15 years has moved the change as consistently as the New England Patriots. In the NFL, and in seeing these type of things where it's like, you know what? You have a, your top cornerback against your top receiver. You have your second quarterback against your second receiver. You have all these things. It's like, okay, that's the way game of football is played. Where's your, arguably your biggest mismatch if you have a dynamic running back? It's against the linebacker. It's against a collapsing safety. I, it's incredible. It's simplistic. It is. It's crazy and it's simplistic. <laughs> yep. What this game, you know, can be if you allow it to be. But again, you have to be able to make the catch. You have to be able to make yeah, the throw. Exactly. You have to be able to execute it. You have to be able to execute it and take advantage of it when the opportunities present themselves. And that's what the Packers did. And Matt Lafleur, man. I mean, I, I I was thinking about this as we're walking out of the building last night. I mean, at some point, I mean, there's some really good coaching performances going on in this league right now, but. When you're talking about coach of the year accolades and things like that, at least at the midway point of the season, I think he has to be firmly in that conversation. It's incredible oh, what totally. he's done with this offense and what he's done with this team through the first eight games of the season. And the Packers are 7-1, and one, as Mike Spofford pointed out in one last look last week for the first time since 2011. Yeah, Incredible. the uh, first time they've had seven wins, seven wins before, before Halloween since 2011 when the Packers were 8-0 at the halfway point. So, well... Seven and one, one game ahead of the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC North. We'll get to where things stand in the NFC and all of that and the rest of the week eight results in the NFL on tomorrow's show. But for now, we have to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.